Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob. I'm reading today from a booklet called Prayer, the words of John Bunyan, who lived from 1628 to 1688. I think you know who John Bunyan was by now. He's listing the infirmities that make it necessary for us to pray with the Spirit and not just pray whatever is on the top of our head, right? I gave you five of them on our last audio. Let's do number six now. Because without the Spirit, though a man did see his misery and also the way to come to God, yet he would never be able to claim a share in either God, Christ, or mercy with God's approbation. Oh, how great a task is it for a poor soul that becomes sensible of sin and the wrath of God to say in faith but this one word, Father. I tell you, however hypocrites think, yet the Christian that is so indeed finds all the difficulty in this very thing. It cannot say God is its Father. Oh, saith he, I I dare not call him Father, and hence it is that the Spirit must be sent into the hearts of God's people for this very thing, to cry Father. This is too great a work for any man to do knowingly and believingly without the Spirit. Galatians 4, 6. When I say knowingly, I mean knowing what it is to be a child of God and to be born again. And when I say believingly, I mean for the soul to believe, and that from good experience, that the work of grace is wrought in him. This is the right calling of God the Father. And not as many do to say in a a babbling way the Lord's Prayer, so-called, by heart, as it lieth in the words of the book. No, here is the life of prayer. When in or with the Spirit, a man being made sensible of sin and how to come to the Lord for mercy, he comes, I say, in the strength of the Spirit and crieth, Father. That one word spoken in faith is better than a thousand prayers, as men call them, written and read in a formal, cold, lukewarm way. Oh, how far short are those people of being sensible of this, who counted enough to teach themselves and their children to say the Lord's Prayer or the Creed with other sayings, when, as God knows, they are senseless of themselves, their misery, or what it is to be brought to God through Christ. Ah, poor soul, study your misery and cry to God to show you your confused blindness and ignorance before you be so rife in calling God your Father or teaching your children either so to say. And know that to say God is your Father in a way of prayer or conference without any experiment of the work of grace on your souls, it is to say you are Jews and are not so as to lie. You say, Our Father, God saith, You blaspheme. You say you are Jew, that is, true Christians, God saith, You lie. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie, Revelation 3, 9. And I know the blasphemy of them, which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan, Revelation 2, 9. And so much the greater the sin is, by how much the more the sinner boasts it with a pretended sanctity, as the Jews did to Christ in the 8th of John, which made Christ, even in plain terms, to tell them their doom, for all their hypocritical pretenses, and yet, forsooth, every cursed whoremaster, thief, and drunkard, swearer, and, and perjured person, 
they that have not only been such in times past, but are even so still. These, I say, by some must be counted the only honest men, and all because with their blasphemous throats and hypocritical hearts they will come to church and say, Our Father. Nay, further, these men, though every time they say to God, Our Father, do most abominably blaspheme, yet they must be compelled thus to do, and because others that are of more sober principles, scruple the truth of such vain traditions. Therefore, they must be looked upon to be the only enemies of God and the nation, when, as it is their own cursed superstition that doth set the great God against them and cause him to count them for his enemies. And yet, like to Edmund Bonner, the Bishop of London, that blood-red persecutor, they commend, I say, these wretches, although never so vile, if they close in with their traditions to be good churchmen, uh, the honest subjects. While God's people are, as it has always been, looked upon to be a turbulent, seditious, and factious people. Therefore, uh, give me leave a little to reason with thee, thou poor, blind, ignorant fool. Number one, it may be thy great prayer to say, Our Father which art in heaven. Dost thou know the meaning of the very first words of this prayer? Canst thou indeed with the rest of the saints cry, Our Father? Art thou truly born again? Hast thou received the spirit of adoption? Dost thou see thyself in Christ? And canst thou come to God as a member of him? Or art thou ignorant of these things? And yet darest thou say, Our Father, is not the devil thy father? And dost thou not do the deeds of the flesh? And yet darest thou say to God, Our Father? Nay, art thou not a desperate persecutor of the children of God? Hast thou not cursed them in thine heart many a time? And yet dost thou out of thy blasphemous throat suffer these words to come, even our Father? He is their Father, whom thou hatest and persecutest. But as the devil presented himself amongst the sons of God, when they were to present themselves before the Father, even our Father, so is it now. Because the saints were commanded to say, Our Father, therefore all the blind, ignorant rabble in the world, they must also use the same words, Our Father. Number two, dost thou indeed say, Hallowed be thy name with thy heart? Dost thou study by all honest and lawful ways to advance the name, holiness, and majesty of God? Doth thy heart and conversation agree with this passage? Dost thou strive to imitate Christ in all the works of righteousness, which God doth command of thee, and prompt thee forward to? It is so, if thou be one that can truly, with God's allowance, cry, Our Father, or is it not the least of thy thoughts all the day? And dost thou not clearly make it appear that thou art a cursed hypocrite by condemning that with thy daily practice which thou pretendest in thy praying with thy dissembling tongue? Number three, wouldst thou have the kingdom of God come indeed and also his will to be done in earth as it is in heaven? Nay, Notwithstanding, thou according to the form sayest, Thy kingdom come. Yet would it not make thee ready to run mad to hear the trumpet sound, to see the dead rise, 
and thyself just now to go and appear before God to reckon for all the deeds thou hast done in the body? Nay, are not the very thoughts of it altogether displeasing to thee? And if God's will should be done on earth as it is in heaven, must it not be thy ruin? There is never a rebel in heaven against God, and if he should so deal on earth, must it not whirl thee down to hell? And so the rest of the petitions. Ah, how sadly would even those men look, and with what terror would they walk up and down the world if they did but know the lying and blaspheming that proceedeth out of their mouth, even in their most pretended sanctity. The Lord awaken you, and teach you, poor souls, in all humility, to take heed that you be not rash and unadvised with your heart and much more with your mouth. When you appear before God, as the wise man saith, be not rash with thy mouth and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything, Ecclesiastes 5.2. Especially to call God Father without some blessed experience when thou comest before God. But I pass this and go to the seventh infirmity. It must be a praying with the Spirit if it be accepted, because there is nothing but the Spirit that can lift up the soul or heart to God in prayer. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. That is, in every work for God, and especially in prayer, if the heart run with the tongue, it must be prepared by the Spirit of God. Indeed, the tongue is very apt of itself to run without either fear or wisdom. But when it is the answer of the heart, and that such a heart as is prepared by the Spirit of God, then it speaks so as God commands and doth desire. They are mighty words of David, where he saith that he lifteth his heart and his soul to God. It is a great work for any man without the strength of the Spirit, and therefore I can see that this is one of the great reasons why the Spirit of God is called a spirit of supplications, because it is that which helpeth the heart when it supplicates indeed to do it. And therefore saith Paul, praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And so in my text I will pray with the Spirit, First Corinthians 14, prayer without the heart be in it is like a sound without life, and a heart without it be lifted up of the Spirit will never pray to God. The eighth Infirmity, as the heart must be lifted up by the Spirit if it pray aright, so also it must be held up by the Spirit when it is up if it continue to pray aright. I do not know what or how it is with others' hearts, whether they be lifted up by the Spirit of God and so continued or no, but this I am sure of. First, that it is impossible that all the prayer books that men have made in the world should lift up or prepare the heart. That is the work of the great God himself. And in the second place, I am sure that they are as far from keeping it up when it is up. And indeed, here is the life of prayer, to have the heart kept with God in the duty. It was a great matter for Moses to keep his hands lifted up to God in prayer. But how much more than to keep the heart in it? The need of this is, is that which God complains of that they draw nigh to him with their mouth, honor him with their lips, but their hearts were far from him. 
but chiefly that they walk after the commandments and traditions of men, as the scope of Matthew 15 doth testify. And verily, may I but speak my own experience, and from that tell you the difficulty of praying to God as I ought. It is enough to make you, your poor, blind, carnal men to entertain strange thoughts of me. For as for my heart, when I go to pray, I find it loath to go to God. And when it is with him, loath to stay with him. So that many times I'm forced in my prayers first to beg of God that he would take my heart and set it on himself in Christ. And when it is there, that he would keep it there. Nay, many times I know not what to pray for. I am so blind, know how to pray. I am so ignorant. Only blessed be grace. The Spirit helps our infirmities. Oh, the starting holes. That's the, the distractions or obstacles like potholes in a road that the heart hath in the time of prayer. None knows how many byways the heart hath and back lanes to slip away from the presence of God. How much pride also, if enabled with expressions. How much hypocrisy, if before others. And how little conscience is there made of prayer between God and the soul in secret, unless the spirit of supplication be there to help. When the spirit gets into the heart, then there is prayer indeed, and not till then. The ninth infirmity, the soul that doth rightly pray. It must be in and with the help and strength of the Spirit because it is impossible that a man should express himself in prayer without it. When I say it is impossible for a man to express himself, I mean that it is impossible that the heart, in a sincere and sensible, affectionate way, should pour out itself before God with those groans and sighs that come from a truly praying heart without the assistance of the Spirit. It is not the mouth that is the main thing to be looked at in prayer, but whether the heart is so full of affection and earnestness in prayer with God that it is impossible to express their sense and desire. For then a man desires indeed, when his desires are so strong many and mighty, that all the words, tears, and groans that can come from the heart cannot utter them. The Spirit helpeth our infirmities and maketh intercession for us with sighs and groanings which cannot be uttered. That is but poor prayer, which is only discovered in, in so many words. A man that truly prays one prayer shall after that never be able to express with his mouth or pen the unutterable desires, sense, affection, and longing that went to God in that prayer. The best prayers have often more groans than words, and those words that it hath are but a lean and shallow representation of the heart, life, and spirit of that prayer. You do not find any words of prayer that we read of come out of the mouth of Moses when he was going out of Egypt and was followed by Pharaoh. And yet he made heaven ring again with his cry. Exodus 14. But it was inexpressible and unsearchable groans and cryings of his soul in and with the Spirit. God is the God of spirits and his eyes look further than at the outside of any duty whatsoever. I doubt this is but Little thought on by the most of them that would be looked upon as, as a praying people. 
The nearer a man comes in any work that God commands him uh, to the doing of it, according to his will, so much the more hard and difficult it is. And the reason is because man, as man, is not able to do it. But prayer, as aforesaid, is not only a duty, but one of the most eminent duties, and therefore so much the more difficult. And therefore Paul knew what he said when he said, I will pray with the Spirit. He knew well it was not what others wrote or said that could make him a praying person. Nothing less than the Spirit could do it. And tenth, it must be with the Spirit, or else, as there will be a a failing in the act itself, so there will be a failing, yea, a fainting in the prosecution of the work. Prayer is an ordinance of God that must continue with a soul so long as it is on this side glory. But as I said before, it is not possible for a man to get up his heart to God in prayer, so it is as difficult to keep it there without the assistance of the Spirit. And if so, then for a man to continue from time to time in prayer with God, it must of necessity be with the Spirit. Christ tells us that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And again tells us that this is one definition of a hypocrite, that either he will not continue in prayer, or else he will do it. It will not be in the power that is in the spirit of prayer, but in the form for a pretense only. It is the easiest thing of a hundred to fall from the power to the form. But it is the hardest thing of many to keep in the life and spirit and power of any one duty, especially prayer. That is such a work that a man without the help of the Spirit cannot so much as pray once, much less continue without it in a sweet praying frame. And in praying so, to pray as to have his prayers ascend into the ears of the Lord God of Sabaoth. Jacob did not only begin, but held it, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And so did the rest of the godly. But this could not be without the spirit of prayer. It is through the Spirit that we have access to the Father. The same is seen in a remarkable place in Jude, when he stirreth up the saints by the judgment of God upon the wicked to stand fast and continue to hold out in the faith of the gospel as one excellent means thereto, without which he knew they would never be able to do it. Saith he, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, As if he had said, Brethren, as eternal life is laid up for the persons that hold out only, so you cannot hold out unless you continue praying in the Spirit. The great cheat that the devil and Antichrist delude the world with is to make them continue in the form of any duty, the form of preaching, of hearing, or praying. These are they that have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof from such turn away. And so here followeth the third thing in this booklet of prayer, that is, to wit, and we'll start this next time, number three, what it is to pray with the understanding. We've had a definition of prayer. We've had praying with the Spirit. And now what it is to pray with the understanding. This little booklet called Prayer is available at the Chapel Library. Just email them at, uh, or, or, yeah, chapel at mountzion.org. Chapel at mountzion.org.
Thank you for listening. Please take a look around our site. Over 3,000 audios featuring some of the church's great preachers, Bible studies on a number of subjects, a blog, a store. You can buy the books that I've written. If you desire more fellowship, please consider visiting my YouTube channel known as Pasture Lands, one word, or contact me at bob.j.faulkner.com. Dot 72 at gmail.com. Faulkner is F-A-U-L-K-N-E-R. And I'll share details of our street ministry, our Saturday evening Zoom meeting for men, the new virtual meeting that we have, and a couple of in-person churches in the Chicago area. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun. As you are hearing this for the first time, it should be April 25, 2022. Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.